0: Welcome back, Bulldog Educator listeners. We're so glad to have you. Joining me for this season is my good friend, Matthew Kasten. Say hello, Matt, to our listeners. Hey, hey, how's it going? And so you're going to be joining Matt and myself, Kirsten, as we go through this season where we're going to be talking about recovery and rest and recuperation in different modalities and different viewpoints. I'm really looking forward to it. And Matt, how about you? I'm also very excited. Uh, This is a journey that I've started recently, and it's going to be fun to talk more about it and learn about it as we learn with our audience. Absolutely, because I could learn quite a few things about this piece. Welcome to the Bulldog Educator Podcast, episode five of season three. This podcast content is developed through a collaboration between co hosts Matt Kasten and Kirsten Wilson, and input from our listeners just like you. We're joining Carrie Rogers Whitehead as part of our summer season three, The Bulldog Educator, taking it on the road adventure. We are joining Carrie at ISTE Live in Philadelphia. I will be running this podcast without Matt, but we are sending our best and wish he was with us in Philly. Carrie is the founder of Digital Responsibility, a mission-based company that has trained tens of thousands of parents, students, and educators on digital citizenship. She is also the author of the three M's of Fearless Digital Parenting, Proven Tools to Help You Raise Smart and Savvy Online Kids, and several academic titles. Carrie worked for almost a decade in libraries and continues to consult with them. Her work as a librarian encouraged her passions in digital equity education and inclusivity carrie is also a mother and continuously strives to be a better digital parent a fun little tidbit not only is carrie an amazing author and founder of a company but she is also savvy and wise as a policy leader in digital equity education and inclusivity and i am proud to call her a colleague and a friend welcome carrie We are so excited to have you on the Bulldog Educator Podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: So, Carrie, before we get into the questions today, I'd like if you would add more about your most recent book, Deepening Digital Citizenship, a guide to system-wide policy and practice that you co-authored with Dr. Vanessa Monterosa.
1: Yes, so this book came about years ago when I discovered... Um, Vanessa's thesis from her work with the Los Angeles United School District um, on digital citizenship implementation and scaling. And at the time, my company just won a state contract to spread digital citizenship education across the state of Utah. I, I admit, I was feeling overwhelmed and I'm like, who's done this? because we often do digital citizenship in little pockets and silos and sometimes it's a librarian and sometimes it's a CTE teacher or whoever it is, but there wasn't a lot of models for what does that look like of a, like a statewide implementation or a district-wide implementation, especially with such a large district like in LA. So I reached out to her years ago and we kept in touch and then um, pitched the book to her and I'm like, hey, w- we need to provide some guidance. This is a big issue and we're all, we're all trying to figure it out. So let's do our best to, to take what we've learned with our mistakes and our successes and write a book. And it just came out at the end of March. So just, just out. <laughs>
0: That's really amazing and you know there's a tie to ISTE Live in Philly and LAUSD, I don't know if you know this, but they are receiving an award for um, a school that um, ISTE recognizes as doing a a great job of implementing the ISTE standards and living out how um, digital integration, digital responsibility, digital citizenship, media literacy. Um, she is part of education, and I have no doubt that uh, Dr. Montarosa's work in LAUSD has had an impact on the fact that they're getting this award this, this week in Philly with ISTE Live.
1: Yeah, and that's great to hear. She laid a foundation that I think that has grown. You know, you have to start somewhere. You have to have shared definitions, shared culture and values. We talk about that a lot in the book. And so she built that um, infrastructure and then built the professional learning on top of it. And you can take from that piece, you can expand it to the larger community and have more of those embedded standards, which I think is a lot of our goal with digital citizenship. It's not just the one shot siloed activity. It's across um, the curriculum through all different ages and abilities.
0: And I I absolutely love that because um, digital citizenship isn't something that's siloed to schools or to particular classroom, but it's really, it touches every aspect of life. And today we're going to be chatting with you about your insight and expertise on digital safety in regards to helping us calm our nerves and give us some guidance on how to operate from a place of rest and calm, both as educators and for some of us as well as um, from a perspective as a parent. And so um, my first question to you is how do educators, students, and families manage digital habits and behaviors so that they can have a recharge over the summer and get geared up for the fall? And this includes creating proactive practices and keep from being reactive to digital overuse or misuse and parenting from a place of confidence and not fear.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and we we often do. Uh, my company does webinars and trainings around this topic, and, and the webinars we do right before the summer is around summer ideas and and how do we deal this deal with this because parents come to us with sometimes um, anxiety, you know, like oh gosh, I've been working, you know, I've had these screen time rules, and and now the summer's happened, and and I've got to work, and, and and there's all this these long days stretched ahead, and so what do we do? And the first thing I tell those parents is like, first of all, take a deep breath, and, and I know you you do a lot of that with your take a deep breath. We all need our deep breaths for sure, um, and kind of I, I say relax those rules. I mean, summer is different, and, and life changes, and sometimes we have to be adaptive and flexible to the situation. And you know, relax the screen time. Let them do a little bit more of that. Now, of course, you can still have your rules, but understand that they they need to recharge too and though that screen time can be a really great social activity for them because they're not seeing their friends in school every day right they go to class they have recess together they have lunch together and then they're apart from those friends and sometimes those friends are very far away or they stay with different parents or they're going to summer camp so relaxing that and and encouraging that socialization on the screens can the can help us all get through our get through our summer days there
0: (laughs) absolutely and i think that a lot of kids that were um in a position during COVID really became, became reliant on that connectivity and socialization through a digital means. And so sometimes we need to, to remember that the connection that they have and that we are calling screen time is really that, that need that kids have to socialize with each other. Um, and this is really the only way that they can do that.
1: Yeah. And every parent and family, I encourage them to have their own rules and boundaries. For us, we we double the screen time limits. Like the what we do in school, we, we've doubled it. We have as, twice as much time for some certain activities and and um, on our screens. And then I and then I throw that rule out the window if there's a long car trip or a plane ride. No rules. We're just trying to get from point A to point B. So right? you know, and we're
0: all trying to be on
1: vacation. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Um, so my next question for you is how do you recharge and protect your peace in regard to, in regard to parenting digital use and your own digital use practices?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I don't know if you're referring to summer or just on a broader, broader spectrum, but, um, I have to have my own, my own times that I just kind of shut it off. And that's, that's very difficult to, to do, to just put it away. But the way I look at it, if something's an emergency, I'll get a text. I don't need to necessarily be checking those emails. Um, over the last few years, I've gotten better at scheduling and batching my emails, and moving a lot more of that digital communication to task management boards instead of that, because we get we that inbox can be a little bit of a tyrant, <laughs> and if it is an emergency, it shouldn't be coming through an email. That's that's kind of the way I look at it. And you can do a lot of this work through different types of platforms that you can keep open and you can keep your email closed. So that's a lot that, of work in progress on this one, but it's helping. Um, it helps me.
0: Oh, I completely agree. If you're not careful, your um, email can be the tail wagging the dog yes. um, for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, so you shared a lot of good ideas for us as parents and especially to, you know, um, different situations call for different things. Um, I, As a parent, I've learned that rules that apply in certain situations, when the situations change or the environments change, it's a time to regroup and decide what kind of rules need to follow now. So um, there's a lot of flexibility that we have as as parents. And I think if we sit down and we involve our kids in those conversations um, and, and take that input, When it's a a decision that's made with us guiding the decision making and them, them having input and them knowing we're hearing our voice, I think it becomes a very positive situation for both the parent and the child. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, they, they want it. They feel ownership in that process. It it, it comes with them, not at them. Yeah. Especially if you're dealing with teenagers, they they definitely should be part of that process because you're you. They're going to have to do it on their own in just a few years. So start young and getting them that ownership, getting them giving them that responsibility will help grow with them.
0: Well, and that's such an important point that just like you were talking about that we struggle as adults to manage our email and our social media and things like that. If we're not giving our, our children the opportunity while they're still under our watchful eye to learn some of those management skills, it can really be a struggle for them if they, as they leave to go either in the workforce or they go off to college or um, to some sort of further um, technical training, if they have not had the opportunity to experiment, learn, and possibly fail um, before they're off on their own.
1: Mm -hmm. yes yes
0: so um, would there be anything else you'd like to share with our listeners um, either in regards to what we've been discussing or maybe something else you want to share with us
1: well, we've had a kind of a funny anecdote lately cuz we we don't have a phone yet. And I have a tween and we're not we're, it's not quite there. I mean, every family has their own reasons and needs for that first time of getting a phone, but we're 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 waiting. But what that means is like my my kid has roughly half their friends with a smartphone and half their friends without and we become like we get a lot of texts from children <laughs> because we are this we are the texting and we have had some issues where I'm like Oh, my gosh, the digital etiquette that these kids aren't learning. Um, There's been two occasions we've been woken up with texts from elementary students trying to reach our kids. So I just have to laugh about this. And then one of them um, tried to rickroll my husband. And my husband was like, I was there when this was invented. So it's (laughs) kind of funny having this generational divide and, and getting these random texts from but you know we we are that kind of that person right now. We pass along. We don't like text back. But just be prepared if you decide to go that route, that you might have to educate you know eleven year on on what rickrolling is, <laughs> and about maybe this is too early in the morning that you should send this. So some <laughs> education for everyone. <laughs>
0: oh, that's that is both funny and true at the same time and I, I love that you shared that with us because i'm sure there are other parents out there that are experiencing that that same situation and um it it will make for great stories later on you
1: yes, have uh, to laugh sometimes yeah
0: <laughs> and so um following the idea of rest and relaxation and rejuvenation that we've been talking about in our season three of the bulldog Agitate. Educator, we are taking from the book, Burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski and asking our guests about the seven ways they complete their stress cycle. Which of the seven ways to complete the stress cycle are you able to practice daily with ease and which requires more effort or planning for you to do it? And the seven ways that um, just to review and refresh our listeners' memories is move, Breathe, and when the breathe, as you had talked about, um, that purpose-measured breathing, talk to people, that deep connection with others, laugh, like a, a hearty belly laugh, speak to loved ones, um, and for those that um, need touch, that extended hug, um, cry, and I'm not talking about a little, you know, leak from the eye, but the ugly, snotty, need a Kleenex box kind of cry, and then do something creative so which of those seven ways do you do really well and which one do you have to work at
1: um for for me i have to laugh even sometimes when there's there's pain you sometimes you could just look at the absurdity of the situation and i find that sometimes laughing just distances myself a little bit and just helps me see things in a clearer picture so i you just have to laugh some days
0: Well, and knowing you um, over the last year and getting to know you, you are very good at laughing. I would agree with that. So, <laughs>
1: thank you.
0: <laughs> so, what what is the one that maybe you have to work harder at?
1: Um, I think maybe sometimes doing something creative because often when we're tired and our brains are tired, we just want to do something passive. That's like, you know, we gravitate to something simple like scrolling or, you know, something that just that is not creative. So that that's a harder one for me. I don't know if you found a a hack to doing that, but I struggle with that.
0: Well, and and as my listeners have heard before, I have been gardening for 20 years. I didn't say I successfully garden. Um, but I've been gardening for 20 years and I believe that to be something creative and um, um, creative doesn't mean you actually have to be successful at it. And so I'm not successful as a gardener, but I'm a wishful gardener. And that that, that time spending in my garden and um, watching things grow sometimes, sometimes they don't, sometimes I'm fighting the birds and the raccoons um, is is kind of my creative outlet, um, in the summertime. I have to work a little harder in the wintertime.
1: Oh, I, I like that. Wishful Gardener. That's a good title of book. For
0: sure. So thank you, Carrie, for joining us today. I hope everyone enjoyed this chat as much as we did. I wanted to share with listeners before we move on to our living in beta mode segment, a little bit more about Carrie Rogers Whitehead and some things that you might be interested in. Carrie has her webinars archived on the digital responsibility website, and those will be linked in the show notes as well as her general digital responsibility website has tons of supports and resources for educators and parents regarding digital literacy, digital safety, and citizenship. You can also find digital response and it's R-E-S-P-O-N-S Capital A ability um, website and, and social media mission-based company that's focused on digital literacy, safety, and citizenship on Instagram with the handle at digital underscore ability on Twitter at digital underscore empower. On Facebook as digital response dash ability, no E in the response, and then on LinkedIn, spelled the same way as we spelled the Facebook um, link, which is digital response dash ability, no E in response. Those will all be linked in the show notes as well as the link to her webinars. You can also find a link to the book that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Deepening Digital Citizenship A Guide to System-Wise Policy and Practice, by Carrie Rogers Whitehead and Dr. Vanessa Monterosa. This will be in the show notes as well if you're interested in looking at this book. You can also Google Carrie Rogers Whitehead and find several other books regarding digital responsibility, citizenship, safety, um, in regards to library media specialists as well as parenting books, um, and, um, books for educators on this topic. And now for our living in beta mode segment, this episode, we want to share with you a newly developed app called carrots and cake. They use the appersan between carrots and cake. This app is created to help parents and educators put the work before the fun. It's designed to where you can set up an iPad where kids must access learning apps first before other apps. With this app, you can put an end to screen time tantrums and hours wasted streaming and gaming. Instead, kids learn first and play later. It's designed so that you can manage screen time where you create custom daily screen time schedules and choose learning time and play time. You can also prioritize learning. Select learning apps that have to be completed daily before games and videos unlock. Block inappropriate content, where you block access to adult websites and prevent access to games and videos during learning time. And then promote healthy screen time habits as well, by making screen time more beneficial and less addictive. Have over overall screen time and triple time spent on learning apps. This is backed by science and it is designed around behavioral neuroscience, promoting healthy screen use by reducing the the firing of the brain's reward pathway. It also utilizes behavioral psychology with its use of carrots resulting in delayed gratification which which builds resilience and grit and supports cognitive science helping kids focus on learning without distractions and micro-learning where kids compound knowledge with small but consistent daily effort helping helping them develop healthy study habits. Habits. To learn more, go to carrotsandcake.com. You can also find their link in the website in our show notes. If you sign up, you'll be able to get a 14-day free trial before committing fully to the app. You can purchase a subscription that ranges from $9.99 a month to a yearly subscription for $99.99. It's a great way to be able to have your hand for you to be able to hand over a device worry free, stop negotiating when it's time to start turn off screens. Keep your kiddos from mindlessly watching videos for hours and avoid dealing with agitated kiddos every time they get off their tablets. Thank you so much for listening to this Living in Beta Mode segment. If you have ideas, questions, or comments about the Living in Beta Mode podcast, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. A great way for you to share your thoughts and ideas with us is on our social media accounts on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at TheBullDogEDU. You can also follow Matt on Instagram or Twitter at Matt Caston, Matthew at Matthew Caston. You can also follow him on Instagram at Cast Iron and then Kirsten on Instagram or Twitter at Teach Kiwi or on Facebook or LinkedIn as Kirsten Wilson. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of season three of the Bulldog Educator. Our next episode is going to be released on July 6th and will feature our guest, I guess, with Matt Caston, my co-host. Until next time, keep it real and and be a bulldog about education.